0: Go over with me to James chapter 4, verse 6, and I want to talk to you about two things that will bring a greater breakthrough in your life. Everybody needs a breakthrough in your life, whether it's a breakthrough in a relationship, a breakthrough in your soul, your emotions. Maybe you're dealing with anxiety, you need a breakthrough. Maybe you're dealing with financial problems, you need a breakthrough. Maybe you're dealing with sickness or disease, you need a breakthrough. But James chapter 4, verse 6 says that, but he gives more grace. And I like what the New American Standard Bible says here. The New American Standard translation of this verse says, for he gives a greater grace. Everybody say a greater grace. Now, there is no greater grace than the grace of Jesus Christ, right? But what he's saying is he gives a greater amount. There's a greater amount or greater measure of grace that is released in our lives through something very important here. He says, that's why it says God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. And last Sunday I was, I was teaching on God as our provider. And this, this scripture kept coming to me, even though I wasn't even teaching on this, but this scripture kept coming to me in Luke chapter 18, where it says two men went up to the temple to pray. One of them was a Pharisee. You know, a Pharisee was one who knew all the laws and kept all the laws and the religious people that told everybody else what to do. The Pharisees were the the religious rulers of that day, and they were self-righteous. They were self-absorbed. They were condescending. And this one, this guy was exactly like that. This Pharisee was very condescending. The other man was a tax collector. He was considered a sinner. He was considered the guys that 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 are that are corrupted and and do injustice and take advantage of people. And so both of these guys went to the temple to pray. And it says in verse 11 that the Pharisee said, God, I thank you. I'm not like other people. I I, I fast. I, twi- I tithe, I am Not like this swindlers, unjust adulterers or even like this tax collector. You know, I wonder. This Pharisee who said, I'm not like these adulterers. I wonder if it's because he was so holy that he wasn't an adulterer or he just never had the opportunity (laughs) because no one was interested. Sometimes we, we, we (laughs) okay, I don't want to make anybody mad, but sometimes we mistake holiness for ugliness. You know, like maybe, maybe he just wasn't, Maybe. (laughs) Oh, oh, help us, Jesus. (laughs) Olivia's like, oh, don't go there, dad. (laughs) Don't mess this up. You're doing really good. Don't screw it up now. (laughs) But it's funny how people act. They're so holy when really you just sometimes it's just you didn't you weren't in that. You don't know what it's like to be in a position of temptation that you've never been able to handle, you've never, been, you've never been exposed to before. You don't know what it's like. Somebody said, amen. I don't know what you're talking about. But I'm just saying, I'm not excusing sin. What I'm saying is for us to look down at anybody else and say, oh, I'm not like this swindler, this tax collector, this adulterer, this unjust, I'm not like other people. Who do you think you are? That you're so much better than everybody else you know what we all put our pants on the same way we all have to go to sleep we all we all got to take a shower we all need deodorant and ain't nobody it doesn't stink sometimes we all need the love of god and the grace of god and the forgiveness of god and the mercy of god you know, the only time we should ever be looking down at anybody. This guy was looking down. You know, I'm so much better than this guy. Even this tax, even this tax collector, how, how judgmental, how condescending, how arrogant. And you know what? He's looking down at this guy. You know, I really believe we should look down at people. Only one circumstance in which we should be looking down at people. And that's when we're bending over to help them up. Yeah. Right. That's when we should be looking down at people. We're bending over to help them up. It says in Ephesians chapter two, verse eight, for it is by grace that we've been saved. It's his mercy. It's his mercy that has saved us. It's his grace that has saved us. We didn't save ours. You didn't get saved because you came to church today. That didn't save you. There are people watching. They're not in church. They're still saved. You might be in church today and you're not saved. I grew up Catholic, so I thought, I was taught that if you just go to church and do the sacraments, that you're saved. If you just do the sacraments, then you're holy, you're godly. But that doesn't, that. and I'm not, I'm not here to preach against the Catholics. I'm here to preach against this self-righteous spirit that... Is prevalent in the world today. I'm not like this guy. You know, it's funny if you really if yeah if you compare yourself to Hitler, you're awesome. <laughs> you're you're <laughs> you're holy man. Compared to Hitler, you are like wow. You are like an angel. You haven't killed millions of people. You haven't destroyed millions of people's lives compared to him. But let's if we're gonna go ahead and compare, let's compare to Mother Teresa. Now you really look bad compared to her. I mean, all she did was help the poor. All she did was reach the lepers. All she did was help the hurting. All she She spent her whole life, 90 years, just serving people and feeding people and loving people and having mercy on people and visiting them in their worst conditions and in their worst circumstances. Compared to her, we do look like a demon now. We look like the devil compared to her. You might look like an angel compared to Hitler, but compared to Mother Teresa, you look. That's why God doesn't save you in comparison to others. And he doesn't look at you in comparison to others. And that's why we can't be like this guy. Just, oh, I'm not like him. I'm so glad I'm better than him. And so often that creeps in to our minds that, well, I don't, you know, I'm not a, a, an addict. I'm not, I'm not uh You know, I I haven't committed this sin. I haven't committed that sin. But let me ask you something. You know, because we we have (laughs) Christians have misread Jesus' words when he was talking to his, his disciples after he was raised from the dead. He came and visited his disciples, and I think that scripture: "Go into all the world and preach the gospel." You know that verse. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. I think Christians misread that. And they thought it said, go into all the world and preach the gossip. (laughs) Because you know what? When somebody really falls, stumbles, makes a mistake, it seems like that news gets spread so quickly and gets spread so fast. It's funny, like non-Christians Seem to be so much more merciful sometimes than Christians are to one another. You know, it's like the guy—I don't know if I hope I can remember this story—but the guy that was that was hunting and um, with a friend of his, and they were out hunting, and and all of a sudden, um, the the he accidentally took a shot at a at, an, at a deer that he was hunting for, and he ends up hitting. His friend that he was hunting with. And he immediately, his friend is is struck by this bullet. He's lying down there. And the guy immediately calls 911. And and he said, I think I shot my friend. I think he's dead. I don't know what to do. And the person on on the other end said, are you sure? Make sure you you need to make sure he's dead. If you you really think that, just make sure before we can take any other step. And then all of a sudden you hear another shot. (laughs) Yep, I'm sure he's dead now. And as silly as that sounds, Christians sometimes shoot their wounded when God doesn't. God's merciful. The Bible says, if any one of you stumble, if any one of you fall, help him up. It says in Galatians chapter six, verse one, if your brother is caught in a trespass, look at this Galatians chapter six, verse one, if any man is overtaken in a sin, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. That word gentleness is the word meekness or humility. In a spirit of gentleness or humility, each one looking to yourself, lest you too be tempted. You see, when you get into pride and when you get into thinking that your opinion is is more valid than, than God's opinion and and you're going to, and that you think you're smarter. Look, <laughs> the reason to obey God is not because you're so holy. The reason to obey God is he's just smarter than us. Like, like he, he's all, he already knows what he already knows the consequences that are going to come. The harvests that are going to come to the bad seeds you plant. And so he says here, plant these good seeds, plant seeds of kindness, plant seeds of humility, plant seeds of, of, of goodness, plant seeds of love. He said cuz he's cuz he knows that every seed produces after its own kind. He knows a carrot seed produces a carrot. He knows an apple seed produces an apple. And you know what? Everybody understands that about 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 plants and about vegetables and fruit. But the one thing we don't seem to understand that is about how we live. We somehow think that we're smarter and that we know better. And God says, the Bible says God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. And that's not to condemn anybody. It's to make us realize God knows what he's doing. And that's why he set up a way to to live that is so much better than the way that we think is the right way. Uh, You know, his ways are higher than our ways. It doesn't mean we can't know his ways. He's just saying his ways are at such a better level, such a higher level. His way is to be merciful. His way is to be humble. His way. I mean, you think about the humility of Jesus. Now, think about this Jesus created the universe. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are the Trinity. And they created the universe. They're one God with three distinct personalities. You say, can you explain that any better? No, I can't. It'll all make sense when you get to heaven. Some things we just can't fully explain. But. I like to consider it like, like H2O, like the compound H2O. It's, it's, it comes in three forms, right? It's a liquid in the form of water. It's a gas in the form of steam. It's a, it's a uh, solid in the form of ice, but it's still H2O. So God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's the best way I can explain that. But the point is is that is that God, here Jesus is. He created the world with his Father and with the Holy Spirit. And then the father sends to, says to him, it's time, son, it's time to go to the earth and become a man. And Jesus doesn't put up a fight. No, man, send the Holy Ghost. Just leave me. I, I like it up here. These angels are great. The throne is great. I dig my threads up here. I don't want to wear their stuff. No, Jesus is like, I'm I'm down with that. I'm going. And he not only humbles himself from his almighty greatness. He comes to the earth as a man. And it says it here in Philippians chapter two, verse five. Look at what it says here in Philippians chapter two, verse five. He says, have this attitude. Let this mind be in you. Have this attitude, this mindset, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although being in the form of God, being equal with God, he says in verse six, even though he was equal with God, he did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. In other words, he was equal with God and he didn't consider that he was stealing anything by being equal with God. But in other words, he made himself, look at what it says, he humbled himself. He made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. And being found, verse eight says, and being found in the appearance as a man, He humbled himself even more. So he humbled himself by coming from heaven to this earth. Then he humbled himself by becoming a man. And then he humbled himself even more by becoming obedient. Completely obeyed God. And then he became obedient to the point of death, not just any death. He didn't die of old age. He was thirty three years old. How did he die? Death on a cross. That's humility. He kept descending and descending and descending. And you know what we do? We are so afraid of other people getting ahead of us or other people taking advantage of us is we fight to ascend and Jesus descended. And you know what? You never lose when you descend. You will always, God will always make sure you ascend. You know, gravity says what goes up must come down, but God's gravity is different. God says, What goes down will always come up. So every seed, every seed that goes into the ground always comes up. Every person that humbles himself, God says, When you humble yourself, you'll be exalted. Jesus humbled himself even to death on a cross. And look at what it says in verse 9. And therefore, God highly exalted him. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That, that covers everybody. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Now, you say, well, if, if, if it says here, first of all, does this make sense to anybody? Uh, I know I'm like digging into the digging a little bit into this scripture, but I, I, there's a reason for it is he says, he says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So you might ask yourself in your, in your mind, well, if every tongue is going to confess and every knee is going to bow, well, does that mean everybody's going to be saved? No, because God has given man a free will. And so we choose to either accept the gift of salvation or reject it. Everybody has the power to choose that. I can't explain about people in other parts of the world that you say, well, what about them? Because God has shown up in their lives in so many ways. There have been people that have been in remote villages and they saw a vision of a man on a tree. And they said, that's the man that I want in my life. And they didn't even know the gospel, but they understood it because of a vision. So God has a way of getting his message to people that don't have television or a a phone or a computer or don't, don't haven't even heard a missionary. God, God is good. He, 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 he's got it all figured out. We don't have it all figured out. But what this means when it says every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess, you might not get saved. You might not get saved. You might not confess. Now you might say, you know what? I don't believe that. Or you might have a friend or somebody at work or a loved one that says, you know what? I don't believe that. You say, well, then how are they ever going to bow? How are they ever going to confess Jesus is Lord? Because when we see him. Everybody is going to see him when he returns. Whether you're saved or whether you're not saved, everybody's going to see him. And when you see him for what he's really like, when you see him in all of his love, and all of his glory, you know, we do our best to communicate about Jesus and to give you a picture of what he's really like. But there is no human words that could ever describe the depth of love that is in the eyes of Jesus. There is not enough words in this vocabulary or any language that could ever describe how humble he is, how kind he is, how loving he is, how compassionate he is, how merciful he is, how good he is, how how gracious he is, how gentle he is, how powerful and strong he is all at the same time. That's the Jesus of the Bible. And when we see him, whether we're standing before him ready to enter into heaven because we accepted Jesus or whether we're standing before him at the great throne of judgment and we rejected Jesus in this earth and we have to now face the consequence. Listen, Jesus paid for every man's sins every woman sins, every child. I mean, man, mankind. I'm not being gender. You know, I just, I'm not focusing on a gender here. Man means mankind to me. So when he paid for all of man's sins, but only those that accept his payment in this life are saved. Somebody, somebody's got to pay for your sins. Now, Jesus already paid so you can accept his payment or you can insult him by trying to pay the bill yourself. But you know what? If we go out to lunch and you pay the bill, and then I say, oh, pay the bill for me. Don't be paying no bill for me. Who you think you are? You think you're going to try to prove you're more generous than me? I'm paying it myself. Okay, go ahead and pay it twice. Stupid. <laughs> I don't mean you. I I, I don't mean you. But it's been paid for. Why would you insult the person that says, I want to pay for your lunch by trying to pay for it yourself? Because everybody's going to have to pay for their own sins if you don't let Jesus pay for, pay for them. Because sin has a price. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Nobody, nobody in their right mind could say, I've never sinned. I've never hurt fellow man. I've never had a bad thought. I've never committed a, a, a sinful act or a sinful thought. No, Nobody can say that. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and Jesus paid for all of it. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Why am I saying this? I'm saying this because our goal as children of God is not to try to act like we're better than anybody else and not to try to shame people into Christianity. Where well, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. I'm holy. I'm godly. I'm not like you yeah, well, you were worse. And when God saved me in my family, nobody else, nobody was a believer. Nobody was born again in my, in my, among my relatives that I knew of when I got saved. And then I said, God, why, why is it, why is it that I understand this now? All of a sudden I'm 17. I've been on drugs at 16 years old, I'm, a, I'm, I'm suicidal. I'm, I'm depressed. I'm selling and using drugs. I'm addicted to alcohol and all, all sorts of crazy stuff. By the Someone said to me, uh, my, my buddy, Andrew Walmack said to me the other day, he's like, Greg, he's like, I don't, I just don't get it. How was it that you got saved when you were 16 or 17 years old? And you got, he did all of that by the time you were that old. How'd you get away with all that sin before you were 17 years old? I said, man, I, I, you know, life in the fast lane. I just said, man, I mean, I was just filling, trying to fill up this hole. I I, I discovered this hole in my soul when I was 15 years old. And my, one of my best friends committed suicide. And I thought, man, what's going to stop me from doing the same thing? God, if there's a, if, if there's a God, reveal yourself to me, show yourself to me. What I'm trying to say is when God saved me, he saved the worst first. I wasn't like, okay, I'm better than anybody. I, if, if anything, I was like worse than everybody. But God wanted to maybe use what he could do in my life and say, look, if I can do it in that kid's life, I can do it in anybody's life. Maybe that's the message God was trying to send to my relatives. Maybe, I don't, I'm just, I'm saying. What I'm trying to say is, we can't win this world with pride. You know, Muhammad Ali was the greatest fighter that ever lived. He was the greatest boxer that ever lived. And he nicknamed himself, in all of the greatness of his humility, he nicknamed himself Superman. I'm Superman. I float like a butterfly, I sting like a bee. I'm Superman. Knock you out. He was on an airplane one day and, the um, flight attendant came over and, um, and said, um, Mr. Ali, you need to fasten your seatbelt before we take off. And he looked up at her as fast as he could like lightning. And he said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. <laughs> and she looked down at him while he was in that seat. And, he, and she said, Superman don't need no airplane either. Now put on that (laughs) seatbelt. Who do we think we are? No matter how great any human being is in the eyes of others, we all need humility. God gives grace to the humble. The humble just means to be willing to admit our need for God, our need for His grace. Humble doesn't mean beating ourselves up. I'm a miserable person. I hate myself. I'm so flawed. I'm so broken. I'm such. I'm so bad. It's not self. You know. Uh, it's not masochism. It's not. It's not this mentality of just be, feeling bad about ourselves and feeling unworthy and feeling like worms. And that's not humility. Humility is simply to admit our need for Jesus to save us, our need for God's word, our need for God's grace, our need for God's mercy. Do you know that whenever somebody said, whenever somebody demanded that Jesus do something, they didn't necessarily receive anything from God. But everyone that said to him, Jesus, have mercy on me. They received their miracle. You know, there were two blind men. They said, "Jesus, have mercy on me." Then there was a father whose son was demon possessed. He said, "Jesus, have mercy on me." Then his, his son was, uh, was was going through all sorts of problems. And then the other mother who had um, the, the daughter that was demon possessed, and he sa- she said, "Jesus, have mercy on me." What about blind Bartimaeus? Jesus, have mercy on me. What about the ten lepers? They cried out and they said, "Jesus, have mercy on me." In other words, everybody that humbled themselves and simply said. Lord, I need mercy. Those are the people that receive their breakthrough. Those are the people that receive their miracle. But the, but going back to going back to Luke 18 with these two men, one went up and they both went up and one said, I'm not like this guy. And what did the other guy say in Luke chapter 18? He said the tax collector, he didn't even put his head up. It says in Luke chapter 18, he wouldn't even lift up his head, but he beaded his breast. And he said, he said, Lord, have mercy on me, the sinner. Maybe you guys can find that verse in Luke 18. He said, have mercy on me, the sinner. Be merciful to me. And look at what Jesus said in verse 14. It says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Well, there's something about sweet humility. You know, if you're watching online or you're here and maybe you have loved ones and, and you have friends that are like, I, I don't want anything to do with your Christianity because I've met too many Christians and they're hypocrites and they're self-righteous. You know what? The best thing to do is say, you know what? I apologize on their behalf because we have failed you by depicting a holier-than-thou, self-righteous attitude. You, you know, people, we're, we, we have to wake up, folks. The world is hurting, and the world needs Jesus, but they can't see him through the pride and the self-righteousness that we walk in sometimes. And then we judge others, you know, for their, their sins. And we, we wink at our gossip But we like are pointing the finger at their adultery. This woman was caught in adultery. She should be stoned. And Jesus said, whoever is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And the Bible says they all dropped their rocks from the oldest to the youngest. They all dropped, they all dropped their rocks. And he said, woman, Luke chapter eight, or excuse me, John chapter eight. He says, woman who condemns you? Where are your accusers? who condemns you? And she said, no one Lord. And he said, neither do I condemn you. Neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. You know, Jesus, the King of Kings is so humble that he comes to be a servant, the King of all glory. And he comes to be a servant. And if anybody has the right to condemn us for our sins, it's God. And yet he doesn't. He says, I don't condemn you. Now go and sin no more. In other words, he doesn't say, if you'll stop sinning, I'll stop condemning you. No, which came first? The Jesus' word that I don't condemn you or her behavior of going and sinning no more? First came his words. Religion tells us, false religion tells us, if you stop sinning, God will stop condemning you. But that's not the gospel. The gospel of Jesus is I don't condemn you. I forgive you now that you know you're forgiven. Now you have the power to go and sin no more because you've you've humbly received forgiveness. But the pride of man, the ego of mankind is like, I have to prove that I'm holy. I have to prove that I can that I can save myself. Nobody can save themselves. Nobody can save themselves. You know, you've been redeemed you've been redeemed. You've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. All we need to do is just humble ourselves and say, I need you, God. You say, but I'm already a Christian. What do I need? You need God every day of your life. You need his love. You need his grace. You need his mercy every day of your life. We've got to soften our hearts. You know, the Bible says that when you have a hard heart, it leads to evil doing. So what do we need to do? Have a soft heart. The soft heart is the spirit of humility. You know, the word for humility in the Bible is actually the word humus, which it's the, it's the Latin comes from a Latin word humus and it means earth. The word humble or humility means earth. It literally means dirt, and it doesn't mean, oh, I'm just dirt, I'm just unworthy. It means, uh, since the word means earth, this earth is great, by the way, but this earth is walked on and doesn't complain. This earth is taken from and doesn't whine and complain. This earth is stepped all over, driven all over, right? This earth is, is... taken advantage of at times. And it never complains because it's earth. It's meant to serve humanity. And God tells us to humble ourselves. In other words, to be down to earth people, not holier than thou. And you better get the sin out of your life. And You stopping at the restaurant and, you know, when you get something to eat and the waitress doesn't treat you right. And you're like, how dare you treat? How dare you get? Hey, get the manager over here. This person's not treating me right. And I need this and I need. Oh man! Please don't leave a card that says life changers on it when you've been acting like that. You know, you need to come hear my pastor. He's awesome. Please don't. You would invite somebody, invite them with some humility, like, hey, man, no perfect people are allowed in our church. That's why I made it down to earth. Humility means down to earth. It means earth. It means soil. It's it means we're the kind of people humble people simply mean we have a soft enough heart for the seeds of God's word to be planted in. So those seeds can grow. When we when we have a hard heart, the seeds get planted, but they don't get any depth of soil because of the hardness of pride and the hardness of being defensive and the hardness of being of being people that are self-righteous and the seed can't grow in a self-righteous hard heart. So when you come to church, you hear God's word. But if you if your heart is hard, then the seed doesn't get in there and Satan is able to come immediately and steal the word because it doesn't go deep into your heart. But to humble yourself means to have a soft heart. And it, be, it means to become the patch of earth for other people to find the path of life for us to be humble means we're the patch of earth for others to find the path of life that that people see our humility and they say, wow, how, why, why aren't you more hard and tough and self-righteous because you're a Christian, you live in this, you're doing that. And we say, I, I'm only saved by the grace of God. I'm not a, I'm, I'm, I know that I'm, I'm in Christ and I'm more than a conqueror, but I'm, but it's all because of what Jesus did, not because of something that we've done. This is what humility is. The opposite of that is hubris. Humus is humble. Hubris is pride. It means lifting yourself up above others. Andrew Murray gave the near perfect definition of humility. He said, humility is perfect quietness of heart. It's to expect nothing from others, to wonder at nothing that is done to us, to feel nothing done against us. It is to be at rest when nobody praises us, to be at rest when we're blamed or even when we're despised. To be humble means to be a listener. It means to listen to God and accept whatever he says. It says in James chapter 1, verse twenty. It says in humility, receive God's word in humility, in a spirit of humility, receive God's word. It means to hear God's word and to accept it, to hear God's word and to accept it. You know, I love the idea. I love the story about the guy that was really great at listening. It's one of my favorite stories is a cowboy was riding along. He came upon an Indian that was lying flat on the ground with his ear pressed against the earth. And the Indian said, wait, wagon, two miles off, drawn by two horses, one black, the other gray, four people on board, man in red flannel shirt, his wife and two kids. The cowboy was so impressed. He said, it's amazing that you can tell all that just by listening to the earth. And the Indian said, no, they ran over me 30 minutes ago. Go get them. Some of you are going to get that later, I realize. But the idea of listening. And being like, Lord. Whatever you have for me, I receive it. Whatever you have to say to me, I receive it. You know, one of the ways that we can know that we're humble before God is when we're humble before each other. Like if. You're like, I listen to God, I, God tell God speaks to me, God talks to me, I listen to whatever God says to me, and then somebody comes along and says, man, you know, I just wanted to mention to you, you know, boy, you could really do better if you could, you know, if you just change your attitude and were a little kinder. What? How dare you? God hasn't spoken that to me. Don't you dare tell me that. I listen to God. God speaks to me. Get out of my life. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. <laughs> if we can't listen to one another, if we're not humble enough to hear from God through one another, then we're really not humble at all. And all I'm trying to say is all I'm trying to say is there's a greater grace for greater breakthroughs in our lives if we will walk in the sweet spirit of humility down to earth, listening to God, keeping a soft heart. And you say, how can I, how can I have a soft heart if my heart's hard right now? Well, it's really easy. If you would just go back and think about all that God's done for you, you'll have a soft heart. If you would begin to thank God for what he's already done, you would have a soft heart. If you would begin to go back in your life and realize, wow, look at, look at how God rescued me there. I didn't deserve it. Look at how he saved me there. I didn't deserve it. Look at how he blessed me there. I didn't deserve it. Look at what he did for me there. I didn't deserve it. Look at all these blessings. I look at five blessings every day of my life, these precious children that God gave us. And all I can do is say, I did not deserve children like that. I cannot tell you how many mistakes I made as a parent. I can't tell you how many times I wish I could go back to when they were four or when they were two or when they were 14 and say, Oh man. And I try to get, I try to catch up with some of the stuff and I try to tell them, Hey, you know, I was little, you know, man, forgive me. I, I've told my kids, Hey, forgive me. I wish I would have handled that differently. And they're, they're probably going, when did you tell us that dad? When did you say that? When, when did you apologize? Um, <laughs> But they, they're, they're like, no, 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 it was great, it was great, you guys did great, you guys did great. Well, maybe their mom did better than me, but I know the mistakes I made. And yet, even in the midst of that, if we'll just be humble and be like, oh man, Lord, whoo, man, make up for how I screwed up. That's humility. If you just, man, Lord, I made a lot of mistakes, but your grace is sufficient for me. And I got a lot of flaws but your grace is sufficient for me. And I know that I don't deserve all the blessing, but Jesus paid for it. So I'm going to go ahead and receive it in the spirit of humility. And I'm going to share it with others in the spirit of humility. And you know what? We'll we'll catch this world on fire. This world has got so many problems. I know there's some good in this world, but there's a lot of bad in this world. And I know there's some good in our country and there's a lot of bad in our country. And I know our country is divided politically and divided economically and divided in so many ways. But what's going to change it is not us arrogantly fighting for our opinion, but it's us humbling ourselves and and asking God to work through us with a soft heart. Because, you know, if you want to win someone, you know, it talks about how we win one another by our humility and by our attitude, not by our demanding people act the way we want them to or demanding people, give us our rights. You know, Jesus will stand up for you when you bow in humility toward him. That woman who, um, poured out that perfume on his head and on his feet. Remember that? She had been, seven demons had been cast out of her. She might have been the same woman that was caught in adultery, but regardless, she was all up in sin. And Jesus said, I forgive you. And it says she came and she was so thankful. She poured that, that oil, that perfume over his head and wiped his feet with her tears and with her hair. And the disciples, some of whom were self-righteous at that, in, that, in that season of their life, they well, Judas especially, he said, Man, don't they know, hey, doesn't he know that what a waste that perfume could be sold and we could use that money to for the poor? Well, really, Judas, Judas said, Oh, we could use that money for the poor, but Judas was the one stealing money from the from the from their account. So he wasn't really thinking about the poor. He was thinking about how he could steal even more if she wouldn't pour it on his head. What a waste. And while she was doing that, he was seated and And she was pouring that perfume on his head and wiping his feet with her tears and with her hair. And they started grumbling about this waste. And Jesus stood up. And he said, leave her alone. Two of the, three of the greatest words I've ever heard, I've ever read in the Bible. He stood up and he said, leave her alone. You know, when you humble yourself and you, Are so thankful for Jesus' forgiveness. He will defend. He will rise up and say, Leave her alone. Leave him alone. We need Jesus as our defender. We don't need to be defensive and defend ourselves. Jesus will defend us when we humble ourselves. He gives grace, more grace, greater grace to the humble. Let's stand together. I hope this uh, speaks to you. You know, you can have a soft heart just by thinking about what God has done. By being thankful for what God has done. And by really forgiving yourself. If you ever look in the mirror, and I'll close with this thought. If you ever look in the mirror and you don't like what you see, you don't need plastic surgery. You don't need to start speaking down at yourself, feeling bad about yourself. If you look in the mirror and you don't like what you see, there is one solution. There's one cure to when you look at yourself and don't like what you see. And I'll tell you, you're not going to believe this, but I, well, I hope you'll believe it. I'm your pastor. You need to believe me, but But it's going to be different than what you expect. When you look in the mirror and you don't like yourself, you know what the issue is. You know, you need to do one thing. You need to forgive yourself. Forgive yourself for the mistakes you've made, forgive yourself for being so hard on yourself, forgive yourself for the for the things that you've held against yourself. Because you're not disliking the physical appearance that you see. You're disliking what's behind your mask and what's behind your face. You're disliking the mistakes and the shortcomings and the, and the, and the flaws in your soul. You're disliking that. And as soon as you forgive yourself, I forgive myself for my mistakes. I forgive myself for what I've done to others. And I forgive myself for holding something against others. And I forgive myself for what I've done to myself. Because you say, well, Shouldn't that be for isn't forgiveness up to God? He's already forgiven you. God doesn't need to forgive you. You need to forgive you because you think, well, I got to go around forgiving everybody. You can't forgive anybody till you forgive yourself. I had to forgive myself for all that I've done to myself, whether it was when I before I was saved or after I was saved. And you need to forgive yourself. And you know what? You'll start liking yourself because God sure likes you. He sure loves you.